Hello, space nerds. Welcome to Raktagino and Root Beer, a Deep Space Nine podcast. I'm Matthew. And I'm Michael. On this podcast, we are reviewing every Deep Space Nine episode from the pilot to the finale. It'll be so exciting, it's going to give you umox. Pull up a chair and join in the discussion over some Raktagino and Root Beer. If you would like to contact us, set hailing frequencies to rrds9podcast at gmail.com. Today on the show, we are going to review Season 2, Episodes 25 and 26, Tribunal and The Jem'Hadar, the last two episodes of Season 2. So, Michael, why don't you get us started off by uh, giving us the plot synopsis of Tribunal. Okay, in Tribunal, we have notorious racist Miles O'Brien hating on the Cardassians, as usual. Actually, he's on his way on uh, vacation with his lovely wife. Wearing an absolutely hideous blue shirt. Everyone's trying to get rid of him. Uh, On his way out, he passes by a man with a horrible 70s uh, porn mustache named uh, named Boone, who he recognizes uh, from um, being on the old Rutledge with uh, Commander Benjamin Maxwell, uh, another uh, Cardassian hater. Um, They engage in a little brief conversation before... Uh, O'Brien takes off. It turns out that uh, Boone is a very untrustworthy man, as his uh, mustache might signify, Uh, (laughs) who uses O'Brien's voice to uh, get some weapons, and uh, and it appears that he might be on the side of the McKee. And uh, so O'Brien and Keiko are on their way to their vacation when they are arrested by Cardassians. Keiko is freed, however... uh, O'Brien is thrown in jail, tortured, they pull out his tooth, and he's already convicted. Uh, there's no actual trial, it's just a show trial for, uh, for the public to see that the justice system works. Um, and uh, he gets the help of Odo, who under Tarek Nor was um, part of the justice system, so he's legally allowed to be O'Brien's advisor or uh, Nestor. Uh, so this ridiculous trial uh, continues, and O'Brien eventually uh, gets out because back on Deep Space Nine, they're able to prove that Boone is not actually a McKee operative, and uh, he's actually uh, an undercover Cardassian who's been surgically altered to look like O'Brien's former um, comrade on the Rutledge. Mm. Woo! This is more complicated than I thought. <laughs> so... <laughs> They confront uh, the court and with their proof that it was actually the Cardassians all along trying to stir up trouble and embarrass the, uh, the Federation. And they immediately dismiss uh, the case and O'Brien is free. Wow. Very nice, very nice. Oh Good gosh. job. Oh my gosh. Good job, Michael. So how did you feel about this episode? I, I really liked it. I thought, uh, again, it's it's another good look at uh, Cardassian society, and in this case, how their justice system works. Yeah. Um, it's it's very uh, satirical. It's it's a lot of fun. You have um, the judge, the Archon, um, gives O'Brien a public conservator, this guy, Kovat, who's very yeah. close to retirement. He doesn't want to screw anything up. Yeah. And uh, his his basically his entire role is to make O'Brien look very guilty or apologetic. Uh, he encourages yeah. him to yell a lot and 
and yeah. uh, and apologize. He, he he's like there to give like a narrative. So he right. wants O'Brien to be terrible at the beginning of the trial and like very aggressive and against the whole process, but then at the end to accept the uh, authority of the court. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, and I also before I watched this, I I went back to the old TNG episode um, with O'Brien where where. Uh, his old captain, Benjamin Maxwell, who was the captain of the Rutledge, he goes kind of insane. Yeah. Uh, because during the uh, Setlick Three massacre, which is referenced in this episode, um, his children and his family are wiped out. So it's this story where they're on the border with uh, the Cardassians, and he's gone rogue. He's taken a, a, a Starfleet ship into Cardassian space, and he's just attacking uh, Cardassians because he says that they're actually arming themselves on the border. Uh, it turns out later on that he's probably right. Yeah. Um, but Picard and O'Brien have to go in and uh, and and get him out. So there's a, a long history of why uh, O'Brien hates Cardassians so much and and his and his sort of inherent racism towards them. Yeah. The Archon. The Archon brings up that uh, mm. his famous line against the Cardassians: mm. uh, "The bloody Cardies can't be trusted." Yes. Which even does a bit of an Irish accent. Yeah. The yeah. Cardassian Archon does an Irish accent in her court courtroom. Oh, very, sp- very good. Speaking of which, of how far Miles O'Brien has come as as a character. Uh, and they've kind of moved away from the Irish stereotype, which yeah. is like really bad. Looking back at that TNG episode, uh, the wounded, yeah, it's it's amazing how much of an uh, how much of a stereotype it is. He's oh, drinking yeah. beer in one scene, you know, yeah. and he's and he's um, another part. He's doing some Irish dancing. Yeah, he's doing some <laughs> Irish dancing. He makes a he makes like a potato meal for Keiko at one point because he's tired of her healthy vegetables. Yeah dinners or whatever too much sushi from Pico. yeah and, and then and then the epi- and at the end uh he beams aboard uh maxwell's ship to try and talk him out of the yeah. standoff with picard and together they sing an irish uh an <laughs> irish, irish folk song, song yeah. yeah i mean miles o'brien has come a long way he's a much more uh realistic three-dimensional character in in the episode of tribunal yeah yeah it was a great episode i really enjoyed it uh, it does have this it is Kafkaesque. It is also uh, satirical, as you mentioned. Like it is, a lot of what happens is so ridiculous, uh, but they're playing it with such a straight face. Uh, but it is enjoyable nonetheless that they have this ridiculously bizarre courtroom system in Cardassia. Um, and uh, and and once again, it is of course a. Uh, Miles O'Brien must suffer episode. <laughs> yeah, we. I knew, I, you know, you know this is going to happen as soon as at the beginning Miles is going to go on vacation. You're like, oh no, this can't. This is going to end terribly, you know. Yeah. And of course, it ends with him having suffered PTSD and having a tooth removed by oh the Cardassians. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, the Cardassians seem to enjoy. Uh, they like shining lights at people. This seems to be a, a nobody. Theme. Nobody asked him how many lights there were, though. No. I was waiting for that, but but there was only there was only one. Uh, but, there is only one light. <laughs> <laughs> but they do like shining lights at people. Yeah. This seems to be a key factor in their torture. Mm. Uh, but Miles, of course, he's so he's such a great actor. He can really convey the the depth of these scenes, and I really like the scene between him and Odo. When Odo came to visit him in the jail, and Odo is like talking to him about the situation, and 
you know, and trying to make him feel better, uh, you know, uh, where he's like saying, you know, not all men who have been arrested, you know, like Miles feels embarrassed about what's happened and he's feel he feels he's bringing dishonor upon his family and his, upon his daughter mm. and, uh, Odo tries to make him feel better about it. And there's they're two really good actors. They do mm. that scene so well, you mm. know. And it made me think about, you know, I'm, I'm going to diss D, uh, T, TNG a little bit here. Yeah. But the there are, like, higher quality actors in general on DS9. Like, mm. Picard, of course, is amazing. Like, Jean-Luc uh, Patrick Stewart is great. But in general, a lot of the other actors are just kind of okay mm. on, on TNG. And meanwhile, like, Cole Beattie and Rene Auberginois are actually, like, really powerful oh, yeah. pe- like, actors. Yeah. And having that scene is, like, I found very, very uh, affecting. And, uh, and just in general, too, like, the stakes. There's mm. actually some interesting stakes in this episode. Like, you have a feeling like he's going to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're going to... They're not gonna. He's not gonna get executed. Hopefully, but the stake is how messed up is he gonna be after this incident? Like, how emotionally affected is he? Is he gonna be like? What are they gonna put him through mm-hmm. um, before he gets released? Like, that's kind of the stakes that are at mm-hmm. at, at uh, play here, and. Um, and yeah, going further with the whole acting thing, like I think uh, Rosalind Chow did a good job at the beginning um, and throughout this episode uh, when he gets taken off the the runabout, she's like, she reacts in such a really good way in a very she's a like very good actor too. Yeah, yeah, like a really emotionally authentic way. And I think the two of them they've been acting together as man and wife for so long that they do have a very nice chemistry and. They feel realistic as a couple. Mm-hmm. And so scenes with her, you're just like, yes, go Keiko. I love you. Just <laughs> keep going, you know? Yeah. So there was some great acting in it. Um, yeah, that Madame Archon was an amazing villain, like just so mean. And... There, there, there was there was something like day three of the trial. Yeah. And she was getting so fed up. And, she's, and there's a line where she says, this is already the longest trial in Cardassian history. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I know. There's so many hilarious lines like that where they're just like, uh, they're pointing out the absolute absurdity of this whole proceeding. Like at the end when, uh, when the the trial is over Mm. and, uh, the conservator is like, what's going on? And Odo's like, you won. Yeah. (laughs) And then he's like, what is he saying? Oh, he says, oh no, they'll kill me. Yeah. He has such, yeah. There's another line he says uh, where, I mean, as you said, it's all performance. It's all show. And and a lot of what he says are are cliche, like courtroom cliches. And the best is at one point he goes, think of the children. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So there's definitely a sense of humor throughout this Mm -hmm. episode, even though it is a very traumatic sort of topic. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's also the... I mean, talking about defects in, in the justice system, uh, um, it's there's a few lines that kind of clo- hit close to home, you know. Um, at one point, I, I think it's Odo in his capacity uh, as the Nestor is asking for evidence. They're always trying to get evidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What evidence do you have? And at one point, he's, he's told by the Archon, um, 
I'm afraid the sources cannot be named because of national cons- uh, security concerns, which is something that you would actually hear in a North yeah. American court. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah, she goes, that's an acceptable answer. <laughs> You're not telling us anything. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, uh, it, 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 there are definitely some resonances, um, you know, just the whole thing where the conservator is trying to get Miles to blame everything on his upbringing and everything. Like, oh, why did you become such a terrible person? Oh, was, was it because of your upbringing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah there, I, I thought it was interesting. The courtroom is a hilarious setup. Um, like, like the judges, she's like a judge's column in the middle of the courtroom. Yeah. And like, at various points, no one can see everyone else in the courtroom. Mm. Like, there's not very, there's like blocked sight lines or something. So it's hilarious. It is like, I, I wrote down, it's like a, a 90s dance club. Like, <laughs> you can totally imagine like the DJ yeah. booth being where the, the, the archon I, is. I also like the children that are present to yeah. witness this justice and they're facing the accused. They're not, they're not facing the judge like you would have in a, in one of our courtrooms. And they're not allowed to uh, uh, display anything more than than racking their knuckles, yeah. racking yeah. their knuckles on, on the chairs. It's yeah, really strange. Very strange. Very strange. Can, uh, can we just uh, back up way back to to the start of this episode again? Miles O'Brien is wearing the worst blue shirt I've ever seen. It's it's again the the Star Trek casual wear. Oh, I know. We're, we're really going to see some other casual wear <laughs> next episode, but yeah. But there's that amazing. We're always making fun of how slow that elevator is that, oh. they're, that they're in, and there's oh that God. amazing scene where they think they finally got rid of rid of uh, O'Brien. He's finally leaving them alone and going on vacation, and then the elevator just comes up a little bit, and all you can see is his face. Yeah. And I was like, that's a really dangerous setting for the elevator. Like, <laughs> is there, like, a setting for, like, you know, open door, closed door, raise elevators top slightly so that your head is visible? Like, what, <laughs> yeah, what setting is that? Yeah. Like, I don't understand that at all. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was... That was a nice little character mm-hmm. touch, too. Of, this is a guy who is clearly obsessed with his work. So obsessed with it that he kind of drives everyone crazy. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like... It, it is kind of like he's letting them take care of his baby, and mm-hmm. they, he keeps giving too many instructions to everyone. Um, and then when he's finally on the runabout with Keiko, he's got a bunch of update manuals. Yeah, <laughs> poor Keiko. Which, like... which are on separate uh, oh, I know. digital devices, which is, like, what's the memory capacity of those things? Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. They, 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 they haven't figured, they, they haven't progressed to our level of technology. Yeah. They don't have phones, so they can't have like a hundred new manuals on one phone <laughs> but uh yeah poor Keiko poor Keiko it's just like oh god it's gonna be another boring uh, vacation for us poor guy lost his tooth so one imagines hopefully maybe he got some uh dental fixes towards it the lo- end of it looks this. like he got a tan though they zapped him with that thing <laughs> <laughs> and he looked kind of dirty after but I wonder if maybe it was some sort of radiation that tanned him yeah and yeah, it was poor guy sitting naked in that chair when that Archon came the, in. The Cardassians really like stripping you down. Yeah, they they're they're a bit of a, a porny civilization. Yeah, <laughs> like I I actually went went back, you know, because I saw the wounded episode, and then I and then I saw the uh, there are four lights episodes. Yeah, and, and TNG with, with Picard and and it's such an interesting. Well, I don't want to get off track, but yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, 
There are four lines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's lots of nakedness in that one too. Yeah. Uh, Except Picard's ripped. Yeah, he is ripped. He is. He's in much better shape than I'm gonna say. Cisco. Cisco's getting in better shape. He seems mm. to be somewhat. Something seems to be happening there. I don't know if it's a stress. I think it's stress. <laughs> yeah. Miles O'Brien is. Uh, I don't know. He's, but but uh, he's an everyman. <laughs> yes. Um, but the boon, which uh, of course you're tearing apart his mustache, which uh, as oh yeah, sorry, Matthew has a mustache, but Matthew actually looks good with a mustache. Oh, thank you. You're I don't look like a, a porn star apparently. <laughs> um, well, it's it's his seventies hair as well. Yeah, no, he definitely he's, looks like he's he's nineteen seventies via the twenty fourth century. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, of course, as soon as you he bumps into Miles, you know that he's bad news and that mm. there's something bad going to happen. Um, I did like when they bring him into the med bay uh, to question him. They just leave the doors open as they talk to him about him being a potential spy. Like, just right. like passing by Bajorans could have, you know, heard. Just a minor thing for me, but I was a little annoyed by it. <laughs> you, know, you know what I just realized? Because he's a Cardassian and they've surgically altered him to look like a human, Yeah. He. I wonder if he asked for that mustache. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's like, you know how those humans have hair on their on their faces? Can I have that? Yeah, I guess we don't see any Cardassians with oh. beards. Um, when I went back to, this is interesting, this is a little bit of trivia, so when I went back to The Wounded, oh, yeah. the same actor who plays Gal Ducat that. is in that Wounded episode, and he, and he, he something. has, yeah, he has a little, uh, like a Fu Manchu or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. That's the only hair I've ever seen on a Cardassian. Yeah, no, now they, now they're all, maybe it's a style change. He's great in that episode, too. Oh, yeah. and, and the Cardassians also wear these bizarre helmets. Um, space helmets in that episode, which they got rid of uh, yeah. very wisely. Yeah. So uh, a few last things to mention, I guess. Uh, this was an episode directed by Cisco, uh, so Avery Brooks. Oh, it. really? Yeah. That's Apparently, great. this is the first of several because like, uh, Jonathan did... Frakes did a bunch of. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, The Forge did some of mm-hmm. the TNG episodes mm-hmm. as well. He did a great job, I think. The directing, yeah. the direction was excellent. In yeah, this. I think it was really good. Um, I loved the the sh- the external shots of Cardassia, like the architecture mm. and everything. This is this is uh, apparently the first view we've had of Cardassia Prime mm. uh, since the series began. Mm-hmm. And I liked those, yeah, like big brotherish kind of shots of, of oh, those view Orwellian screen. yeah view yeah. screen with the big with the Archon's face delivering yeah. the verdict. Yeah, yeah, and then like the the kind of stark and. Uh, spectacular architecture architecture that's very not I guess Cardassian sized it's mm. all very imposing which is mm. a nice choice and um, yeah I mean uh, I think it was it was a great insight into it was all based upon a throwaway line from Gal Dukat in a previous episode where he said he described the judicial system uh, in Cardassia to Benjamin Sisko mm. and they were like hey let's run with it let's have a view of what one of their trials looks like and it was a good idea it worked mm. it was a it was a fun way to look at this whole mm. uh, uh, an interesting way to look at the whole culture well it sounds like we both give this episode a thumbs up yeah definitely I definitely and you know these last few episodes I felt the quality has been rising mm-hmm. and rising and so yeah, yeah it's excellent 
Well, Matthew, would you like to uh, give a synopsis of episode 26, the totally outrageous, the Gem Hadar? <laughs> Michael has been that's, saving that joke for my, a while. <laughs> that's my one Gem Hadar joke. I'll uh, shut up now. Okay. So this episode opens with uh, Ben and Jake, and they're discussing uh, Jake's science project. And uh, Jake wants to do a, an impressive science project, but he can't really, doesn't have a lot of options. So Ben suggests they go to the Gamma Quadrant to do a planetary survey. Through various machinations, um, Quark and Nog get added to their little outing, which causes a little odd couple situation. So the first half of this episode is basically um, just Ben and Quark kind of sparring about their different attitudes towards life and and work and mm. you know just everything you know. <laughs> um, it's a sitcom it's, it's a sitcom nice. basically yeah. the first half is just a little sitcom and uh, and then that's interrupted at one point when when Quirk and Ben are alone and Jake and Nog are off somewhere else uh, Ben and Quirk uh, run into this woman who seems to have some sort of telekinetic power she knocks over Ben uh, but before she or anyone else can kind of run away, these predator-like people emerge out of the darkness, and they're called Jemadar, and they, they take them prisoner, put them into a circular prison thing. And uh, while Ben and, sorry, Jake and Nog are trying to figure out how to fly <laughs> the runabout back home, yeah. Um, which, and, which apparently requires taking it apart. Yeah, taking it <laughs> apart and then kind of... I, I, yeah, they just they spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to fly a runabout, which, considering it's like 24th century technology, I would feel like it would be able to... Like, you just fly it itself, you know? Sure. Like, really. Anyway, we'll move on. Uh, but meanwhile, Ben and uh, Quark are stuck in this this pen uh, until they manage to... with With the woman... And uh, they managed to get the woman's collar off that was preventing her from using her teleconnect powers. She uses it to escape. They, um, meanwhile, the Federation has brought a galaxy-class starship through to help rescue Ben and uh, I assume Quark too. They're gonna. They, I mean, they were mainly going from Commander Cisco. <laughs> they never actually mentioned Quark. Yeah, so uh, maybe they were just fine with like leaving him on the planet. But oh no, they, oh no, because Odo. Sorry, yeah, I don't yeah, want to yeah, yeah. Odo comes because he's he's like, what about Quark? Everyone's like, really? Okay. <laughs> so the the Federation starship comes to rescue them, um, and uh, Ben and Quark and the woman are uh, transported off the planet, and as they're about to leave. They are attacked by the Jemadar. The Jemadar managed to uh, produce a lot of damage, even before they can. But before they can retreat fully, uh, one of the Jemadar ships uh, does a suicide run right into the Galaxy-class starship, blowing it up, and uh, as a as a show of force, mm-hmm. they retreat to the space station uh, with the the woman Eris. And uh, but then they start to realize that she was actually uh, a spy. They confront her. She somehow magically transports off the station before issuing a dire warning mm. that they have no idea what's going to happen in the future. Ooh. So that's basically it. There's some other things yeah. I kind of skipped over, but that's basically so it. So what did you think of this uh, season finale? 
episode. Uh, I thought it was I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was really enjoyable. Um, it's uh, Iris Stephen Bear who wrote this and who later becomes the showrunner of Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. and he he Iris Stephen Bear has also previously written a lot of the Ferengi episodes, mm-hmm. and apparently he made this a big part of it was he wanted to kind of rehabilitate the Ferengi as a species. Oh, there's that great line. I know what you're about to get to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so part of part of that is, you know, he, the way he does the interactions, the kind of odd couple stuff between Cisco and, mm. and Quark. It is a bit of a sitcom, but it's actually quite enjoyable for yeah. me at the beginning. And uh, it's aided by Jake, who is, like I said, one of my favorite actors on the show. Like, mm. I just, whenever he's in a scene, I'm like, oh, you just bring so much warmth to it. He's a great actor. Yeah. And, uh, and then with the Jemadar... Uh, when Star Trek introduces an alien species who are terrifyingly more powerful mm-hmm. than uh, than the Federation, it's always exciting, and the Jem'Hadar clearly appear to be that, mm-hmm. uh, and they they show it quite effectively at the end with their willingness to just destroy I, the, the galaxy. I monsters. think that's what takes it to another level because as you said when they, you know, when they introduce a new species and or when they introduce a new race like the uh, the Borg or species 359 is it species 4572 I'm not sure I can never remember that <laughs> yeah the, the weird quadruped yeah. species yeah sorry I got, I always get confused with wolf 359 yeah yeah sorry apologies <laughs> apologies um, when they introduce that, I mean, it's it's terrifying. But what takes this to the next level is that these, the Jem'Hadar are willing to kill themselves. Yeah. Like they think nothing of crashing a, a ship into a galaxy-class ship to, to blow it up. And that is truly terrifying. Yeah. And the fact... Uh, and, yeah. they, and they don't have to. I mean, they don't at have that to. point. They yeah. just do it just... It's a show of force. Yeah, that's that was a shocking moment. Yeah, and to, and to see a, sh- a galaxy class ship like that blow up and yeah. and all those people killed that was terrifying. Yeah, it it was nice that they did indicate that they got all the families off first. There was a mm. Kira mentioned oh they're getting all the non essential people off uh, before they went into the Gamma Quadrant, uh, so. I feel so bad for that captain. He just <laughs> he captain was Keo, yeah. he shows he he should like they they were saying that he was arriving anyways. I, f- I forget what the original purpose is because there's a little line about Dax saying, yeah, like they they, have... they both have kind of big egos, you know, or they both yeah. consider the end, you know, she's whether or not she's looking forward to seeing seeing him again, and then you know hours later he's he's toast. Yeah, so I I knew they were gonna get blown up. How did was it really shocking? It was for... absolutely shocking to me. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it was absolutely shocking. Yeah, so and I, I, I liked that, and I like um, it shows an element of what Iris Stephen Bear uh, brings to Star Trek is that he's willing mm. to kind of push things a little bit further than kind of outside of that the comfort zone that many people have with mm-hmm. Star Trek. And, and yeah, and presenting this new species, the Jem'Hadar, which we don't really know much about yet, uh, but they are clearly terrifying, you know? There, there's another great scene in it where uh, one of the Jem'Hadar just teleports immediately into Ops. Yeah. Um, and 
they put up a, a force field around him. Yeah, a containment and field. A yeah. containment field. And he's he's just talking to them. And then at one point, he just walks out of it. Yeah. Like, that was really well done, too. Yeah. Just showing their power. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's exciting. Or or when uh, he's he's trash-talking Cisco and Quark and, and saying, Oh, uh, a human and a Frangi, I'm really disappointed. I've always wanted to meet Klingons. Yeah. And he's showing also that they know so much about the Alpha Quadrants yeah. and, and the Federation. Like yeah. that, they, that they know way more about them than the Federation knows about the Dominion yeah. is also terrifying. Yeah, yeah. No, it's exciting. It's exciting when you feel like someone is planning something exciting that's going to happen. Like mm-hmm. there's, they're setting up so much uh, anticipation that hopefully it's going to be played out. I, I have a feeling that it will be played out a little bit, mm. but... Uh, uh, for people who are just getting to it, they don't uh, maybe don't realize. Uh, but yeah, it, it was exciting. I'm, just, I'm assuming you liked it too. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. yeah, I think it's one of actually it's one of my favorite episodes so far. Yeah, um, I I think it it was really good. But I the the line I think you're about to mention with Quark is um, when in terms of the Ferengi being sort of rehabilitated, rehabilitated yeah. is is when he's having that conversation with Cisco and. And Cisco's just, oh, you Frankie, you know, he's just fed up with him. And then yeah, he yeah. says, you know, I know how you see us. You think with that we're just greedy and ca- like capitalist cartoons. Uh, but he says, uh, unlike, unlike humans, we've never had slavery. You know, we've never declared war against other aliens. You know, we're, yeah. we're actually pretty peaceful. Yeah, we haven't had concentration camps yeah, and, and yeah. things like that. And, uh, and and that was an interesting line. That's an interesting way to, to view the Ferengi. Mm. And, and Cisco doesn't have a response. It just sort of shuts him down at that point. Well, and uh, later on, he, he kind of indicates that... Oh, yeah, yeah. When they're running and Quark is, uh, Quark is getting tired, and the heiress woman is like, Well, hide in some... <laughs> Go hide in some bushes, and we'll pick you up later. <laughs> and uh, this guy's like, no, we're taking him with us, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's showing a greater appreciation for the Ferengi. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, like, I like, you know, also the way Nog reacts to danger is so much different than the way Jake reacts to danger. Like Fire just, the phasers! <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what I would be saying, too. No. But it's just like, it's it, it goes with the character of the Ferengi, which they're, they're, they're not the, the, I guess, the bravest, mm-hmm. uh, but they're used to talking their way out of situations rather than fighting, because they're, they're not a violent which race. Is, which is why Quark is such... Is such a good diplomat, uh, yeah. as we've seen in previous episodes. Yeah. Or negotiating things, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's interesting to see that. Uh, Jake has been on, like, growth hormones or something <laughs> because he's taller than everyone. <laughs> I feel like we need, like, a little uh, placard that's showing the height, the yeah. height changes for Jake because, like, at the beginning of the season, he was still shorter than his father. He was giant, mm-hmm. but now he's taller than, than Cisco. Mm-hmm. He's as tall as Dax, he, like, towers over everyone. He mm-hmm. must weigh, like, 120 pounds because he's a beanpole. Mm-hmm. But he is, like, it's just crazy. He is, he's, he's so good in this, too. I yeah. Think. Uh, like, like uh, you've noticed this as well. Avery Brooks is really good at doing the father-son yeah, roles. Yeah, yeah. I think together they have a very good relationship. 
um, yeah. in the show. Like, the moment when they're uh, on the planet, and uh, Ben's like, oh, we're going to have to uh, get up early tomorrow, you have a busy day, and all this stuff. And then Jake is, like, remembering a time when they went with their mom, his mom, to another planet. Hmm. And they don't, like, say, oh, I really miss her or anything. Like, they don't, they don't go to that level. But you can feel it in the way they're talking about it that there's a shared emotional connection that they both miss this person. And uh, it's, it was, it's a nice scene. It's understated. You don't, they don't have to say a whole bunch, but it just shows the connection between the characters. Mm. And, uh, and yeah, once again, it's, it's a differentiation for uh, Commander Sisko compared to Picard or Janeway. He is an actual father. Yeah. Uh, he has this different side to we, him. We've, yeah, we've never... I mean, Picard, we saw his relationship with his brother, but... But that's the extent of it. I mean, uh, after the yeah. Lacutius stuff, um, I think it was after, wasn't it? Uh, when he goes back to France yeah, 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 yeah. And he fight, he gets in that fight, fight with his brother. Yeah. Um, and there was yeah, another you know, episode he, where you find out that he's that he has like a son or like a clone or something or I don't what? Know. I don't remember. That was that like season then. seven okay. when like yeah. the quality really took a dive. <laughs> By the way, I have a son. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I I just want to say like I'm um, as someone who's watching Deep Space Nine for the first time and and I'm really picking up on how on how they're gradually dropping hints of things that happen in the future and and yeah. and, and they're doing a very subtle job in which I really appreciate if if there's a lot of sort of Easter eggs when you're paying attention I mean yeah. some of them are kind of more obvious in in this one there was. They've been talking about a, a new Bajoran colony in the Gamma Quadrant, yeah. and, and in previous episodes in the in this in this season, they've been talking about you know setting um, up a hospital. Yes, yeah, so a hospital. Bashir was there um, to help them out, and then the member of the Gem Hadar, when he beams onto Deep Space Nine, he just uh, he just says. Um, he says, oh, we wiped out that colony. We killed all of them. And he has a line, and he says, they fought well for a spiritual people. Yeah. So I guess all those New Age Bajorans <laughs> didn't do so well. But yeah, but I mean, was... they are supposed to be good fighters. I mean, they beat off the Cardassians. Sure. Oh, yeah. so, uh, but, it, I mean, he just casually mentions that the yeah. entire colony has, has been wiped out. Yeah. I, I And that was good. I felt like Kira did not have the kind of like the right kind of emotional reaction in that moment. Mm. And uh, it just, I don't know, it could have hit harder, but yeah. um, but it was fine. It was fine. Um, I loved the odd couple bits between uh, Quirk and Ben when they're on the planet together. And uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, Quirk is the, the per the city I guess the city guy the hates, city slicker the city the, slicker on the hates, camping trip hates camping yeah and uh, he's kind of like my husband like if my husband <laughs> went on a camping trip he would be quirk yeah um, putting putting cream on his giant ears yeah to protect lots from of, the flies yeah, yeah. lots of uh, cream and he has some great uh, lines he's like how can anyone uh, stand this place with the stench of the flowers <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wasn't there another one where where uh, Cisco's like, "Wow, Jake, look at all these trees everywhere," and yeah. 
And, and Quark is like, well, who cares? <laughs> yeah, it, I see, I see uh, resources that can be exploited. Yeah. You know? um, and also, he's like complaining they, they have jambalaya for dinner. Mm. And Dog is, is a sweetheart and he's like, they, he's like, he's like the kid staying over at the, sure, yeah. the other parent's house. And he's like, thanks, Mr. Cisco. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. And Quark's like having none of it. He's like, <laughs> I think there's some bugs in my food. And Cisco's uh, like, uh, don't you, don't Frankie's like eating bugs? And Quark like goes, I'm eating foreign bugs. I don't <laughs> like them. <laughs> Yeah, and then, and, and then he sets his clothes on fire. He gets too close to the campfire. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows how that happened? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Quark is Quark is, and of course, I think it's, I think it is really uh, Armin Shimabin's, uh acting too that really is almost made the species of the Ferengi what they are. Oh yeah, because before they were just. Like, when you watch episodes of TNG with the Frankie, they're, like, they're worse than caricatures. They're just, like, they're so annoying. You're, like, get off the screen. I hate mm. you. Uh, but Armin Shimmerman and even uh, Nog's, uh, Nog uh, does a good job of helping flesh out these mm-hmm. the species. And Rob, like, the three of them, that family, yeah. do a good job of, of creating a new way of viewing the Ferengi, mm. which is they're actually interesting and, and different. Yeah, I and I think it's... Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it's equal parts writing and, and performance, just like how we see with Gal Dukat, who, yeah. who makes the, the Cardassian so fascinating, just yeah. in that performance of the role. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's... Uh, um, let me see, is there anything else I want to say? No, I think uh, it, this is, I mean... This is one of the excitements that I that I'm having watching this show is realizing that there is a depth of quality uh, to the acting in particular. Mm. Uh, not with every cast member. <laughs> we maybe aren't mentioning. Oh, shady! Here uh, goes. Dax oh. or anything like that. Uh, but <laughs> it's a very underwritten role. <laughs> yes. We'll no. Just no. Say that. Yeah. Terry Farrell is working the She's hardest. She's trying with, her best with the <laughs> with, not, with nothing to work with. <laughs> Basically, like thin air. Yeah. So, so not everyone is pulling their weight, but mm. there is there is some real quality that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think it was yeah, it was a good conclusion for the season, and uh, it wasn't a cliffhanger. There's no like immediate problem that needs to be resolved it's just impending disaster that's coming up yeah which is a it's an interesting way to end i I, I think that's called raising the stakes yeah (laughs) (laughs) but it's uh it's cool and it's it's Mm. making me interested to see what happens i I, i've forgotten what happens in the the third season well, thanks to our listeners for uh, sticking around for another season. And uh, Matthew, do you want to see us out? <laughs> okay, I will. So uh, thank you for listening. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, you can send us an email at rrds9podcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, have a great week 